happy to be here. This kind of, kind of reminds me of, of uh, some of the times we had when we were together in San Pedro because uh, there was a kind of a youth revival that took place sort of in, the, I don't know, the 70s. And, uh, and people were crawling out of the woodwork, uh, the young people. Uh, it was really great. Like, <coughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I remember, you know, uh, we had a youth group that used to meet. We had to rent space in the synagogue across the street oh, yeah. because we had nice. room in our own church for everybody. And uh, and they had a prayer meeting, you know, sort of like this uh, going. And then Wednesdays, you know, Lent came along. And in Wednesdays, uh, we always had a Lenten service, you know. And the kids were kind of... But uh, they, they wanted to have keep their thing going, but they said, well, yeah, we need to have a... I'll tell you, can we have our prayer meeting after the Lenten service? So they came to the Lenten service, and then they went and had the prayer meeting uh, after that. So that was a fun time when the Lord was working. And uh, I was uh, wondering, you know, what to share with you tonight. And uh, Nordis and I talked about it a couple oh, a week or two ago and we both came up with the same idea that I should share a message that's actually in that book that Paul mentioned, The Renewed Mind, because it's been something that uh, has been very practical uh, help to us. So uh, that's one of the ways that um, we have kind of checked out the will of God is when Norris and I agree on something uh, sort of independent of each other. We say, that's got to be the Lord. What's that test that we, where we're total opposites? The Briggs or something? That psychological test? Myers-Briggs. We're total opposites. I mean, on every category, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. That's what I call a red-green marriage. It's complimentary, you know. I've married scads of people, and uh, I find that about 90% are red-greens. And the others are monochromatic blues. And the red-greens, you know, they're different and they com complement one another. The, the p monochromatic blues, they're, they're just uh, two peas in a pod. And both marriages can be very good, but the red-green has to grow more. <laughs> you know, the, the monochromatic, they're the same politics, same music, everything's the same. They just go along and, and they're the same 40 years from now, they're about the same as they were when they got married. <laughs> <laughs> but they love each other and they get along great. Well, uh, a good friend of ours, he was uh, born in Britain and then became um, a citizen of the States and was, uh, uh, am I here being heard by everybody here? I, got, I can boom it out a little more. Um, everybody okay? Okay. Um, but uh, Derek Prince was his name. He was, a, he was a, I think his tapes are are still available, and um, well, why did I mention Derry Prince, Norris? <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say blue, about him. Green, uh, blue, 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 green, green. 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 <laughs> It'll come back to me. Uh, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> he, he uh, said something like this at one of our Holy Spirit conferences. Uh, when he was talking about the whole reality of spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. That's really kind of the category or the arena 
that I want to move into tonight with you all <clears throat> because he said the battle always begins in the mind. No thoughts. So uh, I was uh, sharing the same idea with a, a group down north here a little while ago. And uh, this woman came up to me afterwards and says, can Satan read our minds? I don't think there's any scripture uh, in, that I know of that suggests that. But I do think he can beam thoughts into your mind. He can excite something in your mind. Um, yep. And, <clears throat> you know, like Paul says, uh, you know, that we're not wrestling, we are not contending against flesh and blood, just against uh, other human beings, differences of opinion, said, but against the principalities and power, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. That's what we're contending against, is we are involved in spiritual warfare, and that's the, the level at which I wanted you to gear in with me tonight. And I'm going to give you a little picture to kind of help convey that idea. And it's, what I, it's a picture of just an apartment house. Imagine now that you're living in an apartment house. And you have uh, a landlord that comes and makes your life misery. He's charging you too much to start with. He comes barging into your apartment any hour of the day or night, messes the place up and charges you for not keeping things in good repair. <laughs> and if you can't meet your, if you can't pay your rent right on time, he loans you money as a loan shark and puts you further in his debt. Your life is miserable. And then one day comes a knock at the door. You open the door and here you meet someone who says, uh, I've just taken over. I'm the new landlord. If you have any, and, and you, you are welcome to live here as long as you want, rent free. And if you got any problems, just come down to the manager's apartment and we'll take care of it. And you say, I'm free. You know, I am free of that old landlord. That's great. You're saved. That's kind of the, that's the position of somebody that's been redeemed, been saved. I'm saved from that old landlord. Now, <clears throat> you just, this reality just begins to dawn on you and comes a knock on the door. You open the door, and there's the old landlord. I've come for the rent. Do you pay him? No, you say, well, you'll have to take that up with a new landlord. You send him to the new landlord. Yeah. Now, you don't pay him. You don't go out and pop him on the nose. He's bigger than you. You just say, take it up with the new landlord. Now, that is the situation of a new believer, of a Christian. That once Christ has delivered you from the power of sin, from the devil, he will come knocking at your door. And your defense is simply this, you send them on to Jesus. You take it up with the new landlord. Now this first dawned on me when I was out in San Pedro up at 1603 West 7th mowing the lawn and it just dawned on me if Christ has set me free 
then I am free. I'm really, truly free. And, you know, this thought began to uh, just, just play around in my mind and comes a knock at the door. And there he is. I've come for the, I, I've come, you know, I want to talk to you about what's going to happen when the fall season begins. You are going to be snowed under. And he begins to outline all the things that you are not going to be able to do and you are going to fall flat on your face. But this, I saw what this old landlord, he had a bill behind his back. See, Mark, fear. Mm. He was going to collect it from me. See, well, I said, you have to take it to Jesus. Take it up with him. That's not, the, you know, just send him on to Jesus. And after a little while, he left. And so I kept mowing my lawn and... And pretty soon another knock comes at the door. And here he is now. He's got a nice smile on his face. He says, I want to talk to you about those people that have been telling lies about you. And he was all, you know, he was just oozing concern for me. But I saw he had a bill right behind his back, you know, my self-pity. And I said, well, you have to take it up, take it up with Jesus. Uh, and, you know, when I was mowing that lawn, you know, it wasn't, very, it wasn't a very big lawn. Uh, he must have come 15, 20 times. I didn't realize what a playground for Satan our minds can become. And they don't have to be that. Because we have a new landlord, so we have to send them on uh, to Jesus and recognize that we have really been delivered. The idea is you don't have to let him in. That's right. See? You have to just send him on. You don't you don't fight him in that sense. You just turn him over to the new landlord. <clears throat> and you could talk about this with other images. About we talk about being filled with the Spirit, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. But we have to realize when we do that, you know, we're talking about something that is life transforming. I think sometimes when we pray for the, the Spirit, we, we're kind of like the person who says, here, kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> and what we really are going to get is the lion of the tribe of Judah with a roar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is not a little kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> so, I, now I just want to think about this new old landlord now. And, and I want to give you four practical tips. Because this, I'm talking about reality. Well, some of us were talking a little earlier about a, changing our mindset to take seriously uh, <clears throat> the, a biblical worldview, a biblical way of looking at life. So I'm not, this is, this is to, make the, to get that reality uh, functioning uh, and, and uh, dealing with it as reality. Uh, first of all, don't let your feelings fool you in this mental... See, we're talking about controlling your thought life. Don't let your feelings uh, fool you. Because the, Satan, he will come in and he'll play on your fears. He'll, he'll, he'll stir up doubt, guilt, lust, anxiety, despair. You'll have those things. They will come. But the question is, what do you do with them when they come? You don't have to follow them. 
Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, here's what we're talking about. We're, we're not telling you to live in some kind of a, you know, uh, a never-never land. <laughs> I think it was Martin Luther who said, you can't keep the birds from flying overhead, but they don't have to build a nest in your hair. <laughs> and, or, or like George Oss, who taught us New Testament at Luther Seminary when I was there. He had an interesting perspective. He said, when does a sinful thought become a sin of thought? Mm -hmm. You see, a sinful thought. You know, it's, it's uh, out there as a temptation. When does it become a sin of thought? He says, when you invite it in for a cup of coffee. You spend time dwelling upon it. You see, when, when we are delivered, it's like, like the Lord pulls something out right by the roots. And those troughs, you know, where the roots were, they're still there. And He can come and touch that place of fear, lust. Anxiety can stir it up. He can play on your emotions. Your emotions are the piano the devil loves best of all. He can play on your emotions. And the thing you have to realize that <clears throat> that's there. You know, I, I, I recognize it, but take it up with Jesus. This this is this is no longer my thing <clears throat> to deal with. You move it over into another category. Jim Hansen the Friend, uh, he, we went to college and seminary together, and he was riding along uh, with another fellow in a car, and the, some beautiful girl walked across the, the intersection, and this fellow riding with him made some comment about the girl's shape or whatever, and and uh, Jim Hansen said, "Praise the Lord." And the guy looked at him a little bit. That wasn't what he exactly expected. <laughs> and he said, "I find when I praise the Lord." Uh, when I see a beautiful woman, I'm less likely to lust after her. Because I put, I moved it into another category. So, you have those feelings, those old feelings are still there, but you just say, well, take it up with Jesus. You don't let them, those feelings fool you. And secondly, here's another tip. Don't be discouraged by the frequency or repetition of the same temptation. Five times, ten times, a hundred times. That's that temptation, and you send it on to Jesus. And that temptation cannot come one more time than God allows it to come. Read the book of Job. God drew fences around Job. Job got tested, but God said, only this far, and no further, and Satan was blocked off at that. And you just say, okay, take it up with Jesus. You know, this is one I got, you know, you, you don't throw an old habit out the window. You coax it down the stairs one step at a time. You ha that, that, that's a repetition. It's kind of like, maybe like Peter, you know, that he got to confess his love for Jesus three times. Uh, because he denied Jesus three times there. And so there was a repetition in which he moved into another category. Uh, and like I say, it's, I'm amazed. You know, I'm 80 years old. I remember they asked David Duplessy, a friend of ours, a real apostle of the Pentecostals, the mainline churches, 
he was about 85 at the time, and a bunch of us were meeting with him and said, David, how do you win the battle against lust? He says, when I find out, I'll let you know. He was 85. <laughs> but you know, I, I used to visualize, remember the back door that went on to the backyard there? See, we lived in the same house, one after the other. And, um, and that was kind of the visual image that the Lord gave me, is this Satan would come knocking at the door, the old landlord, come knocking, and, and I just opened, it was always that back door at 1603. And I, I just would visualize that tonight. Open the door. Okay. Well, I said, get in line. There's a whole line that goes all around the black. Get in line. Take your turn. Take it up with Jesus. Uh, he's in charge now of that. So you don't don't let the frequency of that. And then, and then go back, and you can have a prayer meeting in the living room. Nick, uh, <laughs> uh, another. Th here's a third point. Do not feel that this requires superhuman willpower. It's based on faith that Jesus really will take care of it. And that Satan knows that Jesus will take care of it. He, remember when Jesus was out in the wilderness, he didn't wrestle with the devil. He just referred him to the Father. Referred him to the Word of God. Take it up with Jesus. That's, that's the way... I, and you know, I'm glad I'm talking to you about this because I need to renew this every so often in my own experience is this thing to send that Whoa. thing on to Jesus. It's not for you. It's like the little five-year-old in the family. The old landlord comes knocking at the door and the five-year-old says, take it up with the new landlord. You know, uh, and, and, and she, you know, the Satan can't move against a five-year-old because she knows that the new landlord is going to take it up. So... It's based on faith. Yeah. So what you want to do, you want to cut your conversation with the old landlord yeah. off short. See, he may tell you things that are quote-unquote true. Worry, hate, laziness, pride. The only thing is those bills that he comes, you know, he always has them hiding behind his back to start with. You know, he tries to get you uh, like a salesman, you know, kind of get you hooked. <clears throat> but the thing of it is, he, you just tell him, well, you have to take that up with Jesus. You don't argue, maybe, well, yeah, that sounds very logical. Take, take it up with Jesus. <laughs> you know, uh, see, your, your goal is not to win a wrestling match with Satan. Amen. It's to send him on to Jesus. And, and Jesus does it. And there are different ways you can do that, you know, different things that you can do. As you open up that, that back door and say, oh yeah, there you are, there, there's the line down there, get in line down there. And, and then you, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, really maintain uh, two lines of thought simultaneously. You're going to have one or the other. A good thought will move another thought out of your uh, consciousness. And I remember this one fellow, uh, he had a real problem with tem uh, a temptation to blasphemy. And, and uh, he, you know, he'd get these blasphemous thoughts in his mind. And then the thought came to him, whenever I get one of those blasphemous thoughts, I'm going to pray for my, my nephew that's a missionary in China. Amen. And so he comes and so you send him on to Jesus and then you start praying for the nephew in China. And, you know, in, in a relatively short time, 
he really overcame that because Satan found out all it did was stir up a lot of prayer for China. So that those just those four, I'll review those four tips there. Don't let your feelings fool you. Don't be discouraged by the frequency. Hey, we've got a bunch of alliteration here. Feelings, frequency, faith. Did the four, fourth one didn't go that way, did it? Which was the fourth one? I don't think you said yeah, third. Did I only give you three? Oh no, uh, the fourth was cut your conversation oh. with a landlord short. Uh, you, you know, you just take it up. Don't argue. You know, that's fine. Just take it up with Jesus. That you send them on, in a, and this you see is rooted in the biblical revelation that that which defines you as a Christian is that your life is united to the life of Jesus. See, a Christian, in, uh, I, I don't think it's overstating the case to say that, it, that we are a new species on the earth. You see, that we are, as human beings, we have a human nature. As Christians, we have two natures joined together in us. Our nature uh, is united to the life of Christ, and that's the, that is the source of, uh, of our, our strength in uh, when Satan comes knocking at the door. Uh, that's, that's the basic principle behind it, is that we are talking about a reality. Now, I look at you, any one of you here, and I don't see with my physical eyes any difference between you and some person walking down the street that never even heard of Jesus or doesn't care about it. It's not visible, it's only perceptive, uh, re, uh, perceived by faith. But in, from God's point of view, it's day and night. Mm, yeah. It's redemption or, or condemnation. Um, now here, the principle behind it is stated well in Romans 6.14. Sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. The law says, now you got to quit lusting. you got to quit fearing. you got to quit being guilty. you got to quit all these things. And the law just, all that does is stir you up to a lot of what ends in frustration. Yeah. See? Mm -hmm. But you live under grace. Take it up with Jesus. Yeah. He, he's in charge of this place now. Just send it out. <laughs> See, it's not the law that defends us. It's Christ. It's not a willpower. You know, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost afraid of, uh, of, um, uh, of, say, an, a description of someone as uh, a man of principle. I'd much rather be led and mentored by a man of Christ than a man who's simply living by principle. You can live by principles, and that can, you know, you can uh, uh, make a fair achievement in the world. But that is not the life of a Christian. The life of a Christian is totally dependent. Center. Take it up with Jesus. I got something else to do. You know, right? That's not my thing anymore. <laughs> Another scripture, Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, the recognition that I am no longer alone. Hmm. I am, you know, uh, what, what, uh, 
who was it? Was it T.S. Eliot or, uh, or no? Who said, "Naked and alone, I came into the world." You know, uh, so, that that's. <clears throat> but we don't we don't go out of the world naked and alone. We go out in union with Christ. That's that's the. Um, the mind that's conformed to this world pays endless tribute to the old lady, the old landlord, and here you're paying out rent, and, and he's not even the landlord anymore. You pay out rent to him, you, 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 you sit down and, and let him talk to you about all the things that are uh, not functioning in your life, about all the things that are going to happen to you and everything, and, and he has, uh, he has uh, re, you might say, reclaimed you. Uh, whereas when you send them on to Jesus, what are you doing? It says you lead every thought captive to obey Christ. Mm -hmm. And you send them on, say, there's a big line that's going all the way around the block. Get at the end of it and take your turn uh, down there. And <laughs> they don't stand too long in that line, you know, because those temptations know what they're going to reach when they get to the, uh, to the manager's apartment. So, so... You know, there's all kinds of ways he'll, he'll inflate your ego when he finds out, you know, he can't get you to do some bad things. He'll try to tell you how good you are and, and how, uh, you know, how much other people are just looking to you and you are really something. Well, I don't know about that. We'll talk it over with Jesus. <laughs> so, at, at Colossians 2.6, As therefore you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so live in him. How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Grace. Sheer faith. It just, he came. I couldn't do it. You know, he, uh, it took a, this took a miracle. And so live in him. Live out that miracle. Mm. I sometimes try to uh, help the kids, you know, like in confirmation or something, to understand the radicalness of this. And I told, once I told him a story about, uh, <coughs> about Freddie who went to visit his grandma one summer. And uh, they lived, uh, grandpa and grandma lived on a lake. And so every day he went down to the, to the dock there, and there was a fish that came swimming up there. And he ran up and said, Grandma, give me some crackers. And uh, what do you want crackers for? There's a fish down there. I want to feed him. So he took fish and he threw the, fi the crackers on the water, and the fish snapped it up. And then the next day he came in, and he held the cracker in his hand. And the fish was very wary of it, you know, but he held it out, and finally the fish came up and took it right out of his hand. And as the days went by, he and the fish got to be pretty, pretty trusting one of another. And and he he even he'd stroke the fish along the side, and he call, he gave him a name. I think he called him Frisky. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he was he was uh, he was just having a great time with his fish. It was just like a pet almost. And. Um, and one day, Grandma finds him out in Grandpa's workshop, pounding together uh, something looked like a box. Says, he says, Fred, what are you doing? He says, I'm making a bed for Frisky. <laughs> and he says, and I'm going to bring him up and have him sleep right in my room with me. I tell the kids, and I say, you think that's a good idea? No! I said, why? He'll die! <laughs> yeah, because he's not equipped to be lifted out into the rarer atmosphere in which we move around. See? And see, we are not equipped to be lifted up into the kingdom as we are. 
there has to come a transformation in it. Mm -hmm. See, if, mm -hmm. if, you know, somebody with superhuman powers could take that fish and create in that a, a, a breathing mechanism that could operate outside uh, of water, then that'd be fine. Frisky could sleep in the box. Yeah. But that took a, that'd take a miracle. That would, and that's what God has done with us. See, he has, he has created, uh, he has miraculously changed us so that we can live in the atmosphere of holiness. We're not equipped to do that until the miracle takes place. Another way I demonstrated this to the kids once was I had two of the tallest kids stand like angels at the gate of heaven. And then, and then I had, the, had them, I told them each one what to do. And they, they come up, you know, and the first one says, I always live by the golden rule. And so the, the angel I mean, he walks in, takes about two steps, and falls down dead. Another one comes up, I, I was always good to my little brother, never took his toys. And you know, finally the last one comes up and says, Jesus took my sins away. You know, he goes in, takes a deep breath, goes forward like a calf leaping from the straw. Uh, because he's been changed. He can live in the atmosphere of holiness. And, and that's what we're talking We're talking about sending that, those tempting thoughts on to Jesus because he is preparing us to live in the, in, in the place where holiness is the very air we breathe. Uh, and it's it's all you know. He, uh, he really is the new landlord. And it says in in First Corinthians, God made Christ to be our wisdom. He tells you he tells you that you're dumb and the people are gonna be all over your cases. Well, take it up with Jesus. He's our righteousness, our sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written. Let one who boasts, boast in the Lord. He, he can take care of this. I don't, have to, I don't have to deal with those things other than to commit them to Jesus. It, it isn't that you just you become ignorant and evasive. It's on the contrary. You turn it over to that part of yourself, you might say, or that which lives in you now as a reality is the living Christ. And he is well able to deal with Satan. He took care of him once and for all on the cross. Now you're thinking, well, boy, I've got some thought patterns that are really deep down. <laughs> they got a big root. And you're wondering if this really will work. Well, send it on to Jesus and you'll find out. <laughs> so that's, that's the thought I wanted to share. I want to give you just a little practical thought about dealing with your thought life, because that's where the battle is joined. You win it at that level, and you've won it. Now, if, if you let your thought life just go any which way, God will work on you in a variety of ways, but I if you can win the battle at the level of the thought, at the level of your mind, you can move on to the next step. That's spiritual warfare. It's not, uh, our weapons are not like it says somewhere in Second Corinthians, I think, it says that our weapons are not like, uh, not carnal. They're not the weapons you'd think of, but they're powerful to bring down strongholds. They're powerful to send that old landlord 
to the place where he'll be dealt with in his own coin. That's it.